Hey Church of the Beloved, thanks for tuning in to our weekly sermon podcast. My name is Kevin Zoe and I'm the production manager here at COTV. Today's message is brought to us by Pastor Abe Lee. He's preaching from Leviticus chapter 25 verses 1 through 22. So, hi. Uh, I want to start off by saying that it has been a crazy few weeks for me. Uh, honestly, if I think about it, it's been a crazy couple of years. Um, but these past two weeks have been extra nuts for me. Uh, I, my, I just finished, uh, my team just finished and announced a general release for a major platform, software platform that we developed, and it's been honestly, the bane of my existence for months now. And I need to clarify something. And for those of you who have been part of our beloved family for more than a minute, uh, I'm going to have to be a little bit like a boomer and tell the same story over and over again, because we have a few folks who are pretty new to our community. So I I need to explain something. Um, I'm what's called a bivocational or a co-vocational pastor. And what that means is that I have a day job. Um, I work in software, as in, not, a, not as a coder, I'm management. Uh, but I have a full time working in the software industry. Um, and it allows us, it supports us financially so that my wife and I, that we can be involved in this ministry. It's basically like the Apostle Paul. You know, he was a tent maker, he had his uh, other side hustle so that he could pay for his time serving in ministry. Um, and I will say this, just as a total aside, um, my role, moving from interim senior pastor to just pastor, uh, ever since Pastor Clint came on, it has made my life a lot easier. Um, my heart, my wife and I, our hearts for the church is absolutely still, you know, full and, and, and fully committed, but it's just, it's, uh, it's making it a lot easier for us to love the people of Beloved, now that we don't have to do everything. Um, not to say I did everything. The staff is amazing. But anyway, <laughs> having said that, let me explain. The last few weeks, my team has been pulling 14, 16-hour, 20-hour days, uh, team here in India and in the Philippines, uh, to get this release out the door. So we're tired. It's literally Friday is when we stopped, which makes today's theme, Sabbath, a very relevant theme. Um, but I have a question that I want you to consider here. Do you live for the weekend? Do you go through the work week, you know, working towards Friday? There's a song back in my day that only David might know. This is Just Got Paid, Friday night. Party hunting, feeling right? No, okay, fine. Um, <laughs> if you don't have a traditional work week, maybe you're a student, and so really even weekends are not a weekend for y'all because you have to study all the time. Um, if that's your situation, or as Hannah Morgan likes to say, if that's your sitch, uh, you know, do you live for your next break? Do you live for, you know, winter break, spring break, summer break? You get way too many breaks if you're a student. If you're an accountant, uh, are you clinging to the hope that there is an end to your busy season? If you're a med student, maybe you're praying for the end of your overnight rotation. Uh, if you're in, you're deep in your career, maybe you're just waiting for retirement, which is my thing. I, my wife and I, we actually had a conversation with our financial advisor and uh, you know, I said, please figure out how early I can possibly retire. I, I don't have to wait until I'm 65 if I don't have to. Um, I asked you this because working for the weekend or working for your next break or, or working towards retirement, these, 
These are pretty normal. These are, it's very typical for folks to do this, right? It's, not, it's, it's, it's what we do. But the pandemic kind of screwed it up. It really screwed it up for me, at least. I don't know if it did the same for you. I mean, the pandemic, it just made resting almost impossible for a lot of us. We, we couldn't go anywhere. There was no break between the work week and the weekend, right? If you were working from home, especially, if there was no distinction between when you were working and when you were playing and when you were resting, because it's all in the same place. In other words, I think a lot of folks, especially me, um, forgot how to take a Sabbath. And as a co-vocational pastor, you know, taking a break or taking a rest, taking a Sabbath, at least for me, not only did I forget how to take one, I felt that I, like I couldn't take a break, take a Sabbath. You know, when Pastor Clint, when he first joined us, one of the things that he was that he is really adamant about, and, and I don't mean it in, like in a pompous way, but in a very holy way, he's really adamant about the fact that Saturday is his Sabbath rest day. He will not do any meetings or anything on Saturday because that's his day of rest. Because, you know, honestly, church is his calling, it is his mission, but it's also his job. Right? And so, so he needs to rest from his job. And that's on Saturday, which also happens to be the day that he can watch football, which is what he did yesterday, which is why he, uh, he's not here because he's actually hanging out with his friends. Um, and I probably delayed him. Anyway, uh, we were having a conversation, Clint and I, and he made this little side com comment. And I thought it was in my direction. He said, you know, it's sinful not to Sabbath. And so I turned to him jokingly and said, so are you saying that I'm sinning? And he's like, you said it. I was like, oh. Today's passage, and again, Paul, thanks so much for reading that for us. But we've got here God telling the Israelites that the land is supposed to take a Sabbath every seven years, the land. Basically, we have to give, the Israelites have to give the fields a break, leave them fallow uh, every seven years. And then later on, God goes on to say, you know what, we, not only that, but the entire social and financial structure of Israel every 50 years has to take a Sabbath. Because from a property perspective back in the ta that time, Israel was kind of on a lend-lease program because every 50 years, everything belonged to God anyway, and God assigned uh, people different land. It's going back to the original owner that God had assigned. That land that was leased from a, for a period of time, now it goes back to the original owners. Slaves are set free. Debt's canceled. And you read this passage, and you begin to see that the idea of Sabbath it wasn't supposed to be limited to people. It, it, taking a Sabbath was not just a biblical thing for individuals. It, taking Sabbath applied to everything, everything that God created. The implications of this command to Sabbath, you realize, is significant. But here's the thing. As I was pulling our, uh, the message together today, I, in my gut, I felt like, you know, most people probably know or have an understanding of what it is to take a Sabbath, to, to Shabbat, which is the Hebrew. But I thought, you know, I still want to take a moment to, this morning, to revisit the original design, the original intent of this concept of Sabbath. And I want to do it by turning to Genesis and to Exodus. Uh, when the idea, when the command to take a Sabbath was first 
introduce. And, and, and I will say this, by the way, um, a little plug for Kotz and Kevin and Michael Morgan. Um, they lead our adult Sunday school. And it meets every other week. They met last week to kick off a new semester, and they'll be meeting again next week, I hope, depending on how the marathon thing is going to happen. But um, the next class next week, they're diving deep, deep into the beginning of the story of life, back to Genesis. And so they're covering a lot of Genesis in that time. And I just want to encourage you all, if you have not attended before, consider it. If you want more information, cotb.life slash adult Sunday school, all one word. You can get signed up for their updates. Um, but it's a pretty good class. But going to the beginning, the example, the command that God gives us to rest, it is based on the original creation story. Right? I'm going to read to you from Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible, and this is what it says there. It says, so the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. On the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he rested from all his work of creation. Now, I'll tell you, if you read through the Old Testament, it can be a little confusing. This one's not so bad. Uh, to make it considerably more approachable, you know, context is so important so that the Old Testament can make sense. And context, it requires uh, a view into the culture and a view into the language of the original intended audience. All right? So with culture, you know, we got as much as we can, we have to try to put ourselves in the mindset of the ancient Israelites to better understand what their, that original reader might have been thinking when hearing this particular passage, right? a passage from the Old Testament. On the other side of that context coin, there is language. And looking at the original language, considering all the possible meetings and nuances of the original, it gives us a better picture of what the gospel is trying to present to us, the modern reader. And I mention all this is because today we're going to learn a little Hebrew. Right? The original Hebrew word that is here translated as rest it's Shabbat, okay? what we often know as Sabbath, right? So it, and it means to stop. So God, Shabbat, God stopped his creating because it was done, and he rested. He Shabbat. But there's a nuance. There's another word. Uh, there's a nuance to this biblical concept of rest, and it comes from Exodus chapter 20, verse 11. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, again from the Christian Standard Bible, it says, For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them in six days. And then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. Rest in this uh, place in Hebrew is yenach, or nuach, which means to settle in, to take up resonance, so to move in. So God stopped, God Shabbat, creating his cosmic temple, the earth we live in. And God moved in, he knew ah, to be near his creation. So to rest is to Shabbat and to Nuach, to stop and to settle in. That is to rest. I want to come back to those two points in a second, but there's another interesting aspect of uh, to create this creation story and to the Sabbath that I, as I was studying and preparing, that came to uh, be, that I want to point out to you. The seventh day, 
the Sabbath day when God stopped creating and moved into the cosmic temple that we now live in, which is our, the world we're in now, it reads differently from all the other six days of creation. Because the last line um, that describes the other six days always ends with evening came and then morning. But not the last day. Not the Sabbath. God created everything. He created the sun, the moon, the stars, animals, plants, humans, everything. And then he settled in. Noach. I think that this is an intentional omission of that statement, that evening came and then morning. I, I think that was on purpose because I think that the intention was for this blessed and this holy day, this, this Sabbath day, to go on. God's design was for us to rest in God's presence. This blessed day, this Sabbath, was not supposed to end. The way the story started was God settled in with us, with humans, in the garden that he created to work it with us. And yes, the original design of the Sabbath, the biblical portrait of rest, it included work. Work as God had actually created and intended and defined it to be. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says, the Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. But working, working the garden back then at that time was not supposed to be laborious. It was actually delightful. It was intended to be enjoyable because God made everything grow. Can you imagine Genesis chapter 2, verse 9? The first half, it says, the Lord God caused to grow out of the ground every tree, pleasing in appearance and good for food. It was easy to work it. See, the biblical portrait of the original Sabbath, the original intent of Shabbat and Nuach was intended to include work, and it wasn't supposed to end. But then, humanity happened, and work became laborious, and rest became hard, everything changed. To Shabbat and to Nuach, to stop and to settle in, unfortunately, we screwed it up. You know, we've been going through this series on Leviticus. You know, we call it the blueprint of redemption. And Pastor Clint has been using this phrase, which I really appreciate. It's, he's saying we're rehearsing the gospel. And, and Leviticus, if you look at this, Leviticus is a script that we're following in that rehearsal. It, it shows us what a redemption life through the gospel, what that should look like. That's what Leviticus is. And, and part of that scripture, as we see in today's passage, is that to live out, part of that script is to live out the Sabbath, to Shabbat and to Noach with God, to rest and to settle in as God intended and as God had designed, to Shabbat and Noach the way his beloved will when Jesus brings us all home. Now, all this is you know, easy to understand, I think, or great, whatever, but I think there's an underlying issue that really needs to be considered and addressed here. That's this. To truly Shabbat is hard. To truly Shabbat is inconvenient. With the busyness of our lives, setting aside a whole day and saying, God, I know that time is really supposed to be a gift that you've given to me, so I'm going to set aside all of it that day for you. I'm going to trust you to take care of everything that I have to do. I promise that my to-do list is not more important than you, so I'm going to stop working on my list 
and settle in with you, God. That's hard. Keeping the Sabbath holy to Shabbat and to Nuwak, that's to say to yourself and to say to the world and to say to God, I trust you. I trust you, God, to provide everything. It's to say that I believe that God is working in my life. Not, he's not absentee. It's to proclaim that it's not about me. It's not about what I do. It is about God and whether I will prioritize worshiping him and resting in him, with him, over trying to provide for myself. See, keeping the Sabbath holy, it is a rehearsal. It is rehearsing full gospel redemption. To Shabbat and to Noach is, to, is, is our dress rehearsal. It's, it's the dress rehearsal for the big show, when Christ returns for his redeemed, when Christ comes back for his beloved. To Shabbat and to Noach is God's gift. It is God's gift to us to remind us of our hope in Christ and to allow us to settle in with our family, our new family. To Shabbat and to Nuak, it reminds us of God's original design and his original intent in the Garden of Eden to be in the presence of God and to dwell with him in joy. See, today's passage about the Jubilee. The Jubilee, it was supposed to be basically happening every 49 to 50 years, right? If you read through it, you realize Jubilee was a call to a super Sabbath because everything rests. Everything rests. The land rests, returns to original owners, slaves are released and set free, the people rest from their labor, and everyone just needs to trust God to provide for them for every single need. And the way it works out, if you actually, when you read it, you, you see that the year of Jubilee, when it rolled around, Folks would have to live like this in full trust of God for three years. That's a super Sabbath. And the picture that God, through Moses, is painting here is this. God is wanting Israel to remember and remind them what it was like in the Garden of Eden when God really took care of it all. God is reminding Israel of what God had designed. Jubilee was Israel's dress rehearsal. Israel's dress rehearsal for redemption by the gospel. It was, a, it was a reminder of the liberation from slavery, liberation from debt, liberation from oppression, liberation to just be in God's presence. There's a passage in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 and 2. It speaks of this final jubilee, <clears throat> when the Messiah is going to come and the promise of redemption and liberation is going to be fulfilled. And Isaiah's writing in the voice of the Messiah. And this is what he wrote there. He says, the spirit of God, the spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn. This is the last jubilee. 700 years later, Jesus walks into a synagogue his synagogue in Nazareth. And I want to read to you from Luke chapter 4, verse 16 to 21, tells that story. It says, as he, Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, as usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written, Spirit of the Lord is on me. 
because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, as you listen, <laughs> the scripture's been fulfilled. The Lord of the Sabbath, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Redeemer who promises to perfect Shabbat and Nuwak, the Son of God that restores God's original design for resting and for settling into God's presence, the one who releases the captives, the one who restores the traumatized, the one who sets free the oppressed. Today, as you listen, the scripture's been fulfilled. Over the past few years, um, <laughs> I've come to realize something about my preaching style. Uh, I don't have one. Uh, the, <laughs> I'm not very good. Most, most preachers will have like three points, nice alliteration, easy to take away uh, some to-dos. I don't, I don't have that. I, it, my mind doesn't think that way. I've tried in the past, and some of my alliteration has been really bad, um, and I, I don't do it anymore. Uh, but my mind naturally, it, it, it kind of meanders. Uh, and, and that's what happened when I was preparing for today. It just kind of went all over the place. So I, I feel like y'all have to, thankfully, patiently, listen to a stream of consciousness kind of chat. But I want to do is, I want to recap the path that we've taken so far today is from this passage. And the first, the, the first thing is that to rest, to practice a holy Sabbath, it is to Shabbat and to Nuach, it is to stop and to settle in. That's Shabbat, that's Sabbath. And the act of keeping the Sabbath holy is an act of faith. It is an act of faith because it requires us to inconvenience ourselves from our daily lives, from our daily rituals, and to actually stop, settle in, and trust God. And one of the goals of the Sabbath is to rehearse the gospel. It is to enter into a space where we remember and we act out God's original design and intent for Sabbath. We are to Shabbat and to Nuach with God in perfect joy. We are to Shabbat and Nuach with Him in perfect peace. There's another Hebrew word. We are to do this in perfect shalom. The sabbatical year uh, for the land, the year of Jubilee, these super Sabbaths, they were intended to be examples of what keeping the Sabbath holy actually means. They were, they were intended to help the beloved of God recognize that the Redeemer of the world, that the Son of God, that Jesus Christ would come and fulfill the promise of the Anointed One one day. That the Messiah would come to liberate. That the Messiah would come to redeem. That the Messiah would come to restore. So that we, His beloved, could truly Shabbat and Nuach with God. So the Sabbath, obviously super important to the people of Israel before Jesus showed up. But now, now that Jesus is here and he has completed and fulfilled the law, do we need to keep the Sabbath? No. But we get to keep the Sabbath. 
In Mark chapter 2, verse 27 to 28, it says this. The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. So then the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. See, the Sabbath, just like it was for the Israelites, the Sabbath is our rehearsal too. It's for us. It is when we practice living out the gospel together. It gets us ready for the day where we're going to meet one day together, all of us, as a family. It's not going to be over Zoom. It's not going to be over YouTube or virtually. It's taking the time to Shabbat and to Nuach together. It gets us ready for life as the fully redeemed. See, we get to keep the Sabbath so that we can rehearse drawing near to God. We get to get ready to spend eternity in heaven with our dad, which is great. But I guess the question is, what does that practically look like for each of us? And this is where it gets a little bit trickier for me, personally. Because I, I could be very, very prescriptive. I could, be, I could say something like, you know, keeping the Sabbath is to gather with a congregation of believers, sing songs to Jesus and pray some prayers, listen to a preacher, turn off my electronic device so I don't get my endorphin boost from notifications that are randomly coming at me. I could give that, and I, there might be some here who hear that, and like, oh yeah, that's great, I need some direction and some guidance that way, and there are others who have like post-traumatic stress, and they're like, no, I just, that, that's too legalistic, I, I can't deal with that. And I'll be honest, though, for me personally, being here, being in this place with y'all, not neglecting to gather together with my sisters and my brothers, this allows me, personally, to Shabbat and to Nuach. This allows me to stop and to settle in in the presence of God. But to say that this is the way we all must keep the Sabbath holy, that's not my intent, and that is wrong. See, keeping the Sabbath day holy, it might include all these things, but it is not these things. There's a blogger that I um, was reading from the Bible Project. Her name is uh, Missy Takano. And she made a comment in her blog post that I really appreciate. She said, the whole of the biblical story seems to emphasize the purpose of the Sabbath rather than specific rules for observing it. And I agree. So here's the question. What's the purpose of the Sabbath that we should take away to help us understand how to keep it holy? And the purpose is simple. The purpose is to Shabbat, to stop, and to Nuach, to settle into God's presence. We are to stop doing the work we have to do, we, the work that we have to do to survive. We need to stop that and start doing the work we are called to do to thrive in God's economy. Keeping the Sabbath holy allows us to fully trust God. So we must trust God. Because basically I can either focus on my own abilities to take care of my long list of to-dos, or I can stop my labor and I can trust God to take care of me and my life and settle into the holy work God has called me to. See, the purpose of Sabbath is to stop our labor and to rest in a different kind of work, a holy work. I was thinking of an example to help draw this picture. And Halloween's coming, right? And for those of you from the U.S., you've probably participated in it, in it as a child. And if you're an adult and you're participating in it still, all right, um, 
But think back to those days, and can you remember how hard it was to put on your costume, and you have little legs, and so it's, it takes a long time to walk to all the houses, and you know, trying to avoid the weird people that give you apples with razor blades in them and just bad treats. Uh, that was a thing back when I was... Anyway, uh, but then you go home. You've done your labor. You've done your work, and now you're resting in your holy work, in the joyful work of sorting through your candy. This is a good work, and probably caused my diabetes, but that's all good because it's a good work that I get to enjoy. That's what we're called to. Leviticus 25, it points to the importance of Sabbath. And it points to how hard it is to trust in actually Sabbath. I think for a lot of us, and I know for me too, we believe that for things to get done, I got to do it. No one else can take care of it but me. Israelites had exactly the same mindset. There were, if you read through a history of Israel, you'll see that there are a lot of rules and exceptions that they put into place to allow them to avoid the sabbatical year for the land and Jubilee. There's, I mean, that's why they were taken away into exile because they kept skipping the Jubilee. There's actually the story of how oftentimes they would lend or lease out the land on the seventh year to non-Jews so that it would continue to get worked. They really couldn't trust God. But here's the thing. The Sabbath was created for God's beloved. For God's beloved to Shabbat and to Noach. So keeping the Sabbath, keeping it holy, it allows us to actually remember God. Remember that God has this. He's got our backs. He's got this. That God is wanting and desperately desiring to care for us and to give us a different kind of job. See, living for the weekend or for your next break or for retirement, these are not bad things necessarily in the right context because we are called to labor so that we can stop and settle in to God's presence. We're called to work so that we can Shabbat and Noach. We're called to take time like this to gather together so that we can help each other keep this day holy to consider that this is a day that we're having our regular dress rehearsal, a dress rehearsal of eternity in God's presence. Thanks for tuning in to this week's COTV Sermon Podcast. For more info or to connect with us, you can visit us online at cotv.life. God bless and have a great week.